What's up, Jared? There you go, man. Hanging in. I'm hanging in. How about yourself? Doing great. We we okay? Am I doing this right? I'm sorry if I'm screwing things up. No, you're doing it good. You're doing it good. You hear me? Yep, I got you. We'll have people uh, trickle on it as we get started here. I'm surprised <laughs> you got you got a voice left after last night. <laughs> yeah, I've not been doing much today. I'm just chilling out after four straight hours of no commercials. I do honestly hear in your voice. Like, I'm not joking. Thank you for, <laughs> for popping on here today. I appreciate it, even though the vocal cords are probably a little strained. Huh. All good, man. Um, I got to say, from my, my SI days, when I was working on night shifts, and we had direct TV with uh, pretty much every channel known to man, definitely every sports channel, and it was a package where, like, League Pass has every single game on a yep. different channel. Yep. When you'd have it on late at night, like on the little desktop monitor, um, yeah. all the commercials were for other NBA TV programs. This was back in the... 10 before tip days. Oh, yeah. And for a while, I had this is 10 before tip. <laughs> stuck in my head all the time. I couldn't get it out of my head. <laughs> oh, I love it. Love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Where Where are you based now? I'm, I'm still in New York. I'm in Brooklyn now. How about you? Oh, cool. I'm in Atlanta. There you go. That's what I figured with the, with the, with the turn central. Um, yep, yep, yep. But yeah, man. I wanted to I wanted to have you on because I think the I hadn't watched it until last night. Um but I think the crunch time thing is a very cool thing. I was even talking to front office executive at some point this summer. We were lamenting how there was no equivalent of red zone in the NBA. Right. There should there should just be thing. There should just be a. Yep. It is. So I'm curious. I don't know how much you're about to share, but can you like pull back the curtain? Uh, a little bit as to how this thing came together. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you giving it some pub because yeah. you know we we need to create more awareness for it, and I think the NBA community wants it, and it would it would be awesome if people kind of put their arms around it and and showed everybody that uh, this is something that people would would love to watch on a more regular basis. But yeah, Jake, I mean, we've been doing different iterations of of crunch time for about. I think six or seven years and it dates back to we would kind of incorporate it into game times, which is the signature show on NBA TV. And then we kind of made it its own show and would do, you know, an hour here or there. And then we blew it up. And a couple of years ago, right before the pandemic, in fact, we were doing uh, uh, on Wednesday nights, we were doing seven hours. Now there were commercials and there were a lot more restrictions and we were kind of messing around with it. And then we eventually, for one reason or another, the boss has decided to take it exclusively on the NBA app. And last year we did some testing with the league and we kind of quietly rolled it out last year. And then this year we really are, are kind of going our first full bore, like public, you know, effort with it where it's totally free to watch. It's completely commercial free. And we've got a lot less restrictions on us in terms of how many live looks and for how long we could go to each game. And, you know, for for a guy like like you were saying, you know, myself, if I were not working last night, I would just be on League Pass flipping around 
And while I think League Pass is a, a great product and people still should subscribe and watch League Pass on those really crazy busy nights, this is a great alternative on how to consume the game. And as our producer, Bert Bondi, always puts it, uh, we want to be the kind of digital Twitter feed of the NBA that night. As I say over and over again during the games, um, I want to – and my dog's going crazy because the doorbell just rang, so you're going to have to deal with you're that good. for about 30 you're seconds. Yeah. Um, so we, we really want to take you to the biggest moments of the night as they're happening live, and that's what we try and do, whether it's a big dunk, whether it's a team going on a massive 20 to nothing run, whether it's Steph Curry, you know uh, – going off and hitting five threes in a quarter, or obviously as the name of the show highlight crunch time, the last two minutes of a game. But then I, I think, you know, too, which I'd love to get into with you here is because, because there's so many different types of NBA fans, you know, there are some people who just sit on the couch and consume all the games just because they're basketball fans. There are some people who like a particular team or a particular player. There's some people who are interested in who's on their fantasy team or who they should pick up on their waiver wire. There's other people who have gambling interests and we truly try to cater to all of those by giving you updates and lineup news. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. Like last night, Dallas for the second time changed up who was going to be their starting center and then changed up who was going to be their closing center. Uh, and then from the gambling aspect, we're showing you lines. Uh, we're giving you the over under, we're also incorporating a really cool new feature that the NBA is pushing this year, which is called first to 15, highlighting the first team that scores 15 points because statistically the data has proven that if you're the first team to score 15 points in an NBA game, that team goes on to win about 61% of the time. So we're, we're kind of trying to cater to everybody. And over the years, we've evolved and tried to figure out what works from a staff perspective, as you can imagine, like tracking 15 games on a given night that's really hard in terms of the behind the scenes staff. So our, our crew has gotten really, really good at it. And uh, we're just happy. So many people tuned in last night on the NBA app. And, and we hope people understand that. Yeah, it was a special night because it was 15 games, but this is something we're going to do every Monday throughout the regular season on the NBA app. There you go. Can I give one piece of unsolicited feedback as a viewer? Yeah, sure. I think we could handle more double box. Like I think, we could handle – I'm sorry, I lost you there. I think, as from a viewer's perspective, I think we could handle more double box. I felt like sometimes okay. as guys were jumping to zoom in on one game where I, we could have – or the Dallas-Brooklyn game. Self Cutting in and out a little bit, Jake. It was a, Sorry, can you hear me better now? Yeah. Oh, I'm taking my AirPod out. All right. Um, so I think viewers' perspective, um, like officially um, being in New York, the Brooklyn yep. Dallas game, I, I can't on league pass, right? So I was I was hoping to I, I, like part of why I was so locked in on crunch time at certain points last night was because I watched that game because it was a close game. I was like, oh great, it'll be on crunch, and then um, I'd get it, I'd go somewhere else where I feel like. I felt like we could have still seen both and like you were doing such a great job of like there's something happening on court A and then over on court B you got this. I felt right. like I felt I feel yeah. like you 
kill that all the time. So that's my unsolicited feedback. No, I appreciate um, it. We, we, we we'll, want we'll all the feedback, box. man. Yeah. That's good. Um, I'll, I'll take that back to the to the powers that be. I love it. No, we, 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 want, we want to hear how people watch it. And that's why, like, I push during the show, I want people to, you know, tweet at us use the hashtag crunch time because we want to we want to know how you're watching the game and what interests you and i jake you know i truly this sounds kind of corny or cliche but i you know i'm i'm as big of an nba fan as there is 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 out there so like i said if if i were not working last night i'd be on my couch watching all these games and i try and tailor every show or game i do to how i would be watching it at home and what i want to see in here so i i love the feedback and we want to hear more of it Box can be a little crazy. Double box, I think. Yeah. I think we can all handle. Um, okay. All right. So you watched, you know, pretty much all every game last night. Obviously, you're running things NBA, not running things, but you're you are running around for NBA on on TNT and ATV and doing great work. Has there been a team so far? We'll start pretty general. Outside of let's say the Utah surprise story, has there been a team that you've been most impressed by um in this early stretch here we're about we're about 10 games across the board for every team so an eighth of the way through the year team that's yeah. taken you so far the most you know i i was i was down on cleveland um not that i didn't like the moves that they made in the offseason i actually i think they i really like the moves i just felt like part of their success last year was a bit circumstantial based on some of the other teams around the East underachieving, the Cavs really overachieving. And I wondered with some of the moves they made, how long it would take for them to click. And, but by no means do I feel like they're about to run away with things. Um, And and although they lost last night, um, I, I still am been incredibly impressed how they put that all together uh, so quickly and, and how, how good they've looked. And even though, you know, they're still have battled some injuries too. Right. So, you know, l- let's see if they can get a full two week, three week run with, you know, 15 guys being staying healthy. Uh, the, the other team would be Boston um, again, just because, you know, obviously the, the, the circus going on with the coaching situation, but more significantly from a personnel standpoint, I, I really was curious that that um brad stevens didn't go out and get more help on that front line particularly once danilo gallinari got hurt i don't know that like griffin's gonna be much of an answer for them and knowing that that robert williams and and al horford are gonna miss as much time as as robert will and al you know missed the game and and i'm sure will they will manage him a lot so i've just been incredibly impressed by those two teams just how fast uh they have started Cleveland has definitely exceeded expectations across the board, and Donovan, I think, biggest reason why. I mean, he's been yeah. impressive on the defensive side of the ball, and, and Cleveland people I talked to have been kind of blown away at how much bought in on being team guy, all team, team goal, not me, not this. It's all Cavs, Cavs, Cavs. Um, he made he made some plays last night, Jake. That you know, I was working with Channing Fry. And I just looked at Channing a couple of times and I said off the air, there's no way Donovan makes that pass or makes that play in previous years in Utah. 
it feels as if he's got a trust factor in such a short period of time that he never, ever, a level that he never got to with the Utah Jazz. And, you know, I, my big criticism of, of Donovan, and I think of so many, so many people's criticized of him, is he's just a volume shooter, a guy, he's just a chucker. And, yeah, he's, he's going to get you 25, 30 points because he's going to put up, you know, 20 to 25 shots minimum, if not more. Um, and, and some of the plays he made last night, even though, again, they lost, uh, really showed me that that he's bought into the team concept. People who have uh, listened to me for a while on this app know my thoughts on awards culture and how it's kind of ridiculous, but I would say, objectively speaking, even as an early MVP candidate, to say the least. Um, we've got our first caller here from Kobe. Kobe, what's going on, man? Kobe was in the queue, and they backed out, and then Kobe's gone again. So no, no question from Kobe. Go on, Jared. Um, early slate tonight, I was really taken. I've been really taken by Paolo. Paolo, I watched that Vegas game um, where Duke squared off against Gonzaga. It was basically a one versus two at the time with Chet, and I mean Paolo kind of established himself as that number one guy, and then. The season went on. Jalen Smith became, Barry Smith, excuse me, uh, became kind of the the consensus number one prospect. And it, you know, I saw Paolo at the ACC tournament at Barclays Center. He looked super passive. Honestly, he was reminiscent of how Ben Simmons is looking now. In terms of someone who was big and had all the tools, but shot wasn't falling, wasn't getting to the rim, wasn't really. You know, dynamic plays. Summer league, he looked great, but still wasn't really like to the rim at all. Wasn't really getting to his spots. It seemed like a lot of the fadeaways he was shooting in the mid range were kind of his progress was getting stalled. You snap your fingers, you're in the regular season on, you know, the when the real games were being played, the space, even with Orlando starting, you guys who were seven foot or, or damn near close. out shots he's throwing ridiculous passes i mean is he as impressive as, as you've seen we're talking paulo yeah yeah man he's he's a beast um and and some of the guys i work with some of the analysts and former players they're they're just like you know just from a physical standpoint he just he looks like he's he's playing like he's been in the league for five or six years some of the moves he's made Seriously. um Particularly in that that game, like last night, he was really good, obviously. Uh, but for me, watching that game Saturday night, where where Orlando blew a twenty point lead um, and lost in overtime to to Sacramento, I it just saw some offensive moves where he's just doing stuff to guys that we see like future Hall of Famers doing. And and obviously, we're going to pump the brakes and and see you know how he deals with a lot here, particularly how he deals with losing, right? Like that's. That's going to come into play here eventually, particularly the last two games. You know, those are even for a team like Orlando, which is going to be just fine if they're, you know, one of the worst three teams in basketball. But, you know, you have a 20 point lead against Sacramento, who is terrible. And and then you're at home against Houston, who is terrible. And you lose both games. Um, I, I wonder how that messes with some of these guys psyche a bit, especially a guy like Paolo, who's used to winning at, at such a high level that he has won at. Um, it might take a toll and, you know, but, but he, 
again, just from a pure skill and physical standpoint, yes, no question, as, as impressive as as anybody you know we've seen uh, in a long time, particularly over you know what has it now been a in, into the fourth week of the season. Yeah, on the other side of the ball last night, I mean, with Tari Eason and KJ Martin on the court next to uh, Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. The Rockets are are something. They're flying around on. They're high flying. They shoot the ball. KJ Mark's fantastic. I mean, he was incredible last night. I know there was some. I mean, there's been reporting from the Athletic. I've heard as well that there was a, a request at one point uh, during the off season, and there were that are interested in him. But he's a he's an interesting young player for the Rockets, man. I I, I was of all the players I watched last night, he was he was someone who jumped out to me. In terms of just an interesting player that he could, in theory, be available this year, uh, or just someone to to grow alongside those other guys in Houston, um, that was kind of another big takeaway for me from that game. Um, okay, yeah, sorry. No, I was uh, yeah, I was just gonna say like I, I I've been surprised for uh, going into my second full season that that the Rockets have not made a move. Um, listen, I, I understand they're trying to play out this timetable thing and they're trying to collect quietly as many uh, assets as possible. But, it, but it, you know, what's, what's really bothering me about this NBA that we're living in right now is that all these GMs and presidents are in the, in the habit of collecting cards and there's never any pressure on when to spend them. And then it comes a time where it's too late and the best guy on your team forces you to make a move and you're <laughs> kind of screwed. Um, Houston's in one of these positions right now where I'm not trying to make these guys, you know, into like fantasy basketball GMs or anything, but you know, Houston should have done something with John wall. They could have done something with Eric Gordon several times and they haven't. Um, it's just, you know, and now they've, they've got a collection of all these young players that quite frankly, like even if they reach their potential, how good are they going to be because of the way they put this team together? So I'm just curious, like at some point is one of these GMs and it's not just Houston. I apologize to take it off on, take it out on them. But it's, um, you know, you, you just got me thinking about, you know, all these young teams in Orlando. The team they played Orlando is another case of it, too. Like, you know, at some point, you've got to get it in your team's organizational philosophy that winning is important. And if you keep on punting it down the road by just collecting these young players, it, it really, I think, stunts your eventual growth and only prolongs that hope train that is so frustrating for NBA fans. I, I do think... At the end of the day, at the end of an era or a tenure for a front office, you are ultimately your success is ultimately determined on the move that the big move and big moves that you were and weren't willing to make. Whether that be, I mean, the clearest example right now around the league has been the Hornets. I think inability to really go out and nail a, a, a bet or a. Or, or a, a trade or a free agency signing, you know, a bonafide starting center. And been since the moment LaMelo came in the league, but before that too, um, back to the Kemba days. Um, and I think that goes to bring this back to the top with Cleveland, like, with Donovan. Like the, the Cavaliers and under Kobe Altman have, they've made, taken big. When he went from Houston to steal Karis Levert and, and Jared Allen as um, and he went and got Larry Markin when the Bulls were kind of 
sign and trade scenario. I think I guess that was two years ago now, and they ended up using him and Colin Sexton to go make the Donovan Mitchell trade. And, and even Cavs people themselves have told me that they think they were in the driver's seat to get Donovan. Right? New York, New York, New York. But they they poked in, they checked in, they called, they made, they got the deal, and now they're out to one of the hottest starts in the league. So I I, I do agree with you that the and the fitness and the effectiveness of actually pushing the button and going and thing is a real is a real act when it comes to running a team. Um, okay, EA, you're all queue. Do we have you? You were on mute. All right, the calls have not gone. Away. <laughs> Fire the producer. Exactly. Oh, he's back. Let's try Kobe now, and then we'll. Uh... Kobe, what do we got? Hey, Jake. Kobe, how you doing? Can you hear me? I'm having audio issues. That's why I couldn't answer earlier. Can it's you hear good. me? We hear you now. We hear you now. Yeah, I just wanted to know, um, like from you and Jared's perspective, do y'all think the Lakers are going to do anything? I mean, I'm sure I know they drive a lot of content, but their record in the future is not looking good. So what do you think's going on with them? You know, there's plenty of packages that have been out there, right? The Miles Turner, buddy yield thing. I mean, the other, the only other teams out Indiana that have a real, framework to get something done would be the Utahs, the San Antonios. I mean, maybe you could see Detroit at one point in time, um, depending on how things actually have, like the, the cap space and then like players to send back to LA to make something happen. But every team is going to require at least one first round pick and two to take on Russell's salary. And it's just a, it's a difficult to know that right now, if the Lakers didn't get all of their unprotected picks and swaps with the Pelicans, landing Victor Wembanyama right now, so to do the same thing to trade twenty and twenty twenty nine unprotected to win now and potentially have yourself in a position again, who knows what your team's going to look like in twenty seven twenty nine, and no draft capital to get you. I understand why there's hesitancy from the side of things to get things done, even though LeBron is LeBron in the twilight of his career and you're trying to recognize him and all that. So I get the concerns. I don't know, Jared, would you be, if you're in the Lakers, are you trying to get a deal done or are you holding on to the pick, waiting for Russ's salary to fall off the book, make a change uh, in the offseason? I think it's I think it's fascinating. The the Anthony Davis part of this I think is really fascinating because, you know, the one way to get back some of these assets uh that they've lost is to deal Anthony Davis. Um and and again, I, I think the question the the old, old adage is that, that the Lakers have to be asking themselves is, you know, we're losing with you, we can lose without you, right? Like so um they have to kind of play this this out and play this game saying all right, if we if we stay put and don't do anything, where are we? 
versus if we take kind of a half a step back or a full step back to hopefully take two steps forwards next year. Now, I typically would never buy into that with LeBron James on my team at, at this age because, you know, for the last 15, 16 years, if you've had LeBron on your team, you better be going all in to try and win a championship because he was, you know, among, if not the best player right up there and best player in the league. So I think it's a difficult decision, but but ultimately, like, my question is, is trying to make yourself better next year any worse than missing out on a 10-team playoff play-in situation yet again? Like, how embarrassing would that be? Yeah, and I just, I don't know, from the latest conversations I've had with people, they are not going to sack both those picks unless it's a move that actually makes them a real contender or at least framework like that out there. I, I, it's, it's hard to find a scenario where that exists. Um, all right. Go to one of our favorites, Charlie Saturday. What's going on, Charlie? What's going on, fellas? Um, Jared, I know you're you're a pro. You've been doing this for a while, but you know, I'm I'm curious. Like when you're when a coach or a player during a sideline interview gives an answer that's a little terse or short, um, you know, I I I I notice sometimes there's a subtle look of disappointment or something on sideline reporter faces. Like, <laughs> how do you how do you deal with that? I mean, I. I, I do your feelings ever get hurt? I think mine probably would. Um, and I'm just curious sort of, you know, how, how you've handled that throughout your career. That's a good question. It's happened many times and I'm sure it will happen many more times. Um, I think, I think the biggest thing that I've learned in my time, in the NBA and Jake, I'm sure you can attest to this too, is, you know, we, we really have to remember that we're, we're still dealing with human beings when you're talking to them. Yes. They're on this pedestal. Yes. They're making a lot of money. Yes. They're famous. Uh, and oftentimes physically they're much bigger than you, <laughs> but, um, they're still human beings. So, uh, you have to kind of know your, know your audience, right? Like know, know your personnel, like they say in football. Um, and, and know what questions you're asking, not to say that you need to protect your subject, but you know, there are certain things that I would ask, uh, Steph Curry that I would never ask Russell Westbrook, right? Cause it just, it wouldn't go over well. The other part of it, too, for me, which I try and pride myself on, is listening to what the answer is. And what I love about where we work at, at TNT and at Turner is that, you know, we get we get a, a bit of a rope and a leash to have some fun. And if a guy's going to be terse and sarcastic with me, I've, I've got no problem oftentimes, depending on the situation and how much time I have to work with, of, of being sarcastic right back. So... Um, you know, I, I think we, we try not to take ourselves too seriously and we have fun with it and we spin it as best we can, but sometimes the, the best laid plans, as they say. Charlie, anything else? Oh, he's out. All right. Yeah. The human element, I think is something that I've always prided myself. I think it's a arguably unnatural and inorganic to, be doing any of this type of communication right there. I mean, I was for research for today, um, I was watching Jordan's press conference on YouTube um, after, and it was from after he signed his extension, but also I believe it was the time he'd spoken to the press or to the public by way of the press um, since the Draymond, you know, incident from practice. And 
his rooms are constructed and watching it on YouTube, like he's sitting on a dais on stage talking right. to the microphone in front of 20 people about like intimate subject right. matter, you know, with lights on you and right. And for you doing a side or, you know, I mean, a, a sideline during the middle of a game when there's, but also how are many people watching at home, especially on a TNT national broadcast game. Like, I get why that would exactly be easiest time to, to have a conversation from from the view. Um, right. But I will say that, I mean, there's a reason the media rights deal, the media rights deal is why salary cap is expected to be skyrocketing in 2025. Yeah. Team valuations are expecting to skyrocket. It's that, sure, these guys are superstars and the NBA is global and what have you. There is kind of a quid pro quo in that microphones and our cameras and our pens and, you know, periodicals generate the interest, right? And I, because of that obligation and the inherent obligation, you can tell a lot about a person and how they treat the of it being oh, that yeah. I, I'll never forget when I was in college at the radio station the coach was out to Bill Cohen uh, the Eastern like all, like student media you know he there there was basically no one besides us in this game press conference and he would stand there or sit as if we were you know 20 years of the beat and that always that always and i and you know what i've said this but when i went to vegas um to go to see victor Wembanyama through the whole you know showdown i was taken by how victor handled all the attention and the thought he brought to his questions about the moment and what have you um far more than anything he did on the so i think as much as we We're, you know, definitely in organic situation, natural. I also think the way that those people handle their role on the side of that bargain can tell a lot about who that person is too. Oh, no question. And, and it's appreciating, you know, the ecosystem that we live in, like you talked about. Um, not to say there wouldn't be basketball without the media, but there would not be the salaries that they have without the money being funneled in from Disney and Turner. Um, now there would be other companies, but that money would still come in. Right. And, and it's the money you follow oh, yeah. the money. And, and, the- I, and I, I wish more people would respect that. Um, no, I mean, overall, I think we're in a pretty good place now that um, we're all back in locker room. A personal standpoint, not really dealt with as many team PRs and trying to like get players to, to sit down and talk this year compared to the last couple of years when pandemic wasn't really making that happen. It does seem like state of affairs are in good order. Me trying to complain at all. Um, and I, I don't know. It's, it's a never challenge and trying to make this conversation easy for all people involved. Yeah. I, I think that, that, you know, the whole COVID situation like taught us a lot about different practices 
uh, it's so frustrating probably in any industry, but particularly in our industry, that's always evolving when people, you know, justify why we're doing something because we've always done it that way. And I think, again, the pandemic and, and finding new alternative ways to conduct our job was, was somewhat good. I think there are some examples of people hiding under the, co co uh, the guides of COVID protocol still and using that as an excuse for lack of access or, or just continuing to follow along the path that they've gotten away with it for the last couple of years, so they'll still do it. But you're right. I think for the most part, we're back to um, where we were, and, and hopefully we learned a lot from it. All right. I've asked you about questions, Jared. We've got some questions from the peanut gallery. This is what I do at the end of every show. Uh, it's only I'm putting you on the spot, but I'm giving you an opportunity. Do you want to put me on the spot? Is there anything you want to What's the first big trade of the NBA season? That's a good question. That's a very good question. Um, big in terms of it will be a championship contender against East that helps solidify their player or biggest player, or are you giving more open ended of a question? It, it's it's leeway. I mean, I, I, you know, I always consider a big trade either like you know making turning a team into a contender, into you know taking that next step into a championship contender, or an all star who you know is moved. Yeah, I mean, Milwaukee is definitely a team that on in terms of a contender that will absolutely to move to, because they always are. I mean, just even something as small as a Sturgeon Baca trade last year, and there's been, there's been rumblings of the Bucks looking at other things, right? Um, the Crowder is, is one big domino that obviously hasn't fallen yet, but everything that I've heard, it doesn't sound like that's create any change there, but maybe just the fact that there is a change and Phoenix's artillery, uh, conversations elsewhere. Um, I mean, Utah people are really curious to see if the Jazz are going to ride this thing out and kind of go of the 2013 14 Phoenix Suns that were supposed to be a rebuilding team at the top of the pecking order for Andrew and Joel Embiid and uh, Jabari Parker with Bledsoe and Drogic and P.J. Tucker and, and that crew coming a whisper of the playoffs, or will Utah get to December 15th and start trading Mike Conley and other players? So one situation to keep an eye on. I mean, Miles Turner went on a national and kind of openly lobbied for the Lakers. So, and he think wants to win in Indiana as well, but is for all kinds of things. So those are the your question. You still there? Yeah. Sorry, I thought I lost you for a second. No, no I, I think I think it's intriguing. I you know another team that I'm really intrigued by, uh and curious your thoughts on this one, and watching it last night I felt this again is is Memphis. Um I was really surprised how they stood pat this this off season. Literally, the only new piece they added is Danny Green, and he's hurt. Um, for a team as young as they are, who has such a history of injuries, listen. I understand that they got to the second round of the playoffs last year, but but you can't expect all thirteen of those guys to have 
career years this year and the rest of the West not to be as bad as it was last year and think you're just going to return to where you were, if not better, I, I, I would have to think Memphis, it, it may take, Jake, you would know better than me, it, it's going to take moving one of their young pieces. But in order for them to get where they think they belong, I think Memphis is going to have to get aggressive here. Yeah, the Grizzlies were a team that so many people on the league telling me, look out for Memphis, look out for Memphis, Memphis. This was the last summer before Jaron Jackson's extension kicked in and Josh signed it and they had draft picks to trade and they were they're whispered about to be a big to go uh, land miles. And then obviously his situation took a turn for the worst. Um, they were a, a popular team for people to, to, to say that they could do something big. And then anyone around this, anyone who's known top decision makers said, relax, like we're, we're a patient group here. We don't really take, big of a swing unless we really think it's a thing and they haven't so they're waiting for Jackson to come back healthy um I mean that they get Anthony Melton to get Trump pick and take another flyer on a young guy but yeah I, I think they're absolutely a team that rivals are looking at sleeping giant to go be able to go make a move I really haven't heard of that happening yet to, to kind of go back to what we were saying earlier Maybe that will end up defining what this Arab Grizzlies the move that the moves that they do and don't from here. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fascinating to watch, man. All right. Anything else you want to plug besides? Um, that's that's the big one right now. Every Monday on the NBA app, uh, I I love the feedback. If anybody else has any feedback and was shy and didn't want to come up on stage, hit me in the DM. Uh, but watch us on the NBA app Monday nights. We're usually on at eight thirty Eastern and. Uh, we're just going to have a lot of fun with it, and we, we want to hear, we want to know if you're watching and why you're watching or why you're not watching. Hashtag more double back. More yep. Double, double box. Double. More box. All right, then. Jared, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow afternoon. In New York. Love Fred Katz. All right, buddy. Thank Thanks, you, Jared. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.